every day before I go home, they do ask me, what are we getting up in the morning? What time are we coming up? So I have that sense that I must get up early, whether it's snow, it's rain, it's shine, get up early, be there at the time, and then execute what we plan for the day. I'm Lucy Vincent, and for the past four years, my life has been consumed by prison food. In 2016, I founded Food Behind Bars. We've become the UK's only charity dedicated to transforming the food served in British prisons. You're probably wondering why a 28-year-old with no previous convictions is introducing a podcast about prison food. In 2016, I launched Food Behind Bars as the UK's national campaign to improve prison food. Now, in 2021, having secured our charity status, we're working with prisons up and down the country to help make people's lives better through food that nourishes the body and mind. This eight-part series looks to unravel the story of how an inadequate prison food system has come to be, how it's affecting us all, and what happens next. I'm Lucy Vincent, and this is episode six, Felix. HMP Brixton, in the past, hasn't had the best reputation. It's a Victorian prison, built in 1820, that has gone through the historical changes that you'd expect over two centuries. Up until 2012, Brixton was a traditional trial and remand prison. This meant that it had a huge variety of people, those awaiting sentence, those who'd recently been convicted, and those who were new to the prison system. Often you find that these are some of the most challenging prisons, due to the diversity of crimes and the individuals living there. But in 2012, it became London's first resettlement prison, a Category C training prison designed to support men at the end of their sentence and prepare them for release. These days, the prison has a relatively good reputation, and I can vouch for that after countless visits to the prison over the past few years. One of the things I noticed about Brixton early on was that it had this really positive food culture, and that wasn't just to do with the good quality of food coming out of the prison, but it was to do with the opportunities around food that um, already existed within the prison. For instance, they have the Clink restaurant uh, in Brixton, which is a fine dining restaurant that's open to the public and provides training and qualifications for men in the food industry. It also has the Bad Boys Bakery that was set up by Gordon Ramsay as part of the Channel 4 TV programme that provides training for men to become bakers and chefs, producing really high quality goods that are sold to the outside. Brixton has done a lot of hard work over the years to improve the safety and the opportunities that are in the prison. And it's one of those prisons in my mind that, that really comes out top when it comes to the culture that they have created in a prison that traditionally, you know, it's an old Victorian prison, um, traditionally, you know, wasn't designed to offer those opportunities and they have succeeded. So a couple of years ago, I had heard a few whisperings in the, the prison system of um, the man in charge of the kitchen in Brixton, the catering manager. And several people had mentioned to me, you have to get in touch with Felix. He is an amazing catering manager. He's been at Brixton for 20 years and he's doing incredible stuff in the kitchen. I think at the time I'd been to a couple of prison kitchens that, that weren't great and I felt a bit demotivated, I suppose. And I was in desperate need of a real positive figure and a positive story around prison food to show me that 
what I was campaigning for was actually viable. And I wrote Felix an email about myself, what I believe in and why, um, my vision for prison food and, and why it matters. And I think he actually just called me instantly as if he had been waiting for someone to send that email for years. Brixton prison is a resettlement prison. Mm -hmm. It's a matured prison. Mm -hmm. When you look at prison estate in the whole, we've got different types. We've got the young offenders, we've got the um, the men, and then we've got the female estate, and then we've got cut A, cut B, mm. cut C, and then come to D, and then resettlement. So in Brixton now, we have matured. It's not like the cultural, drug dealers or it's a mixture of all and it's their home. Yeah. Kasi prison is their home. They, they're not like Roman prisoners. They come there today, tomorrow they've gone. But these prisoners, that's their home. They stay there for six months and above. Mm -hmm. So if you don't produce anything or anything which is exciting, it's boring. The first thing that struck me was his boundless energy. He was full of vivacity, enthusiasm, passion and sheer optimism, which I can't stress how important that is in prison and how necessary it is to have someone who is relentlessly optimistic and positive and full of banter, stories, laughs. And it was infectious. And I, over the years, I've met other people who've worked with Felix and know him. And, and I know that it is infectious because it's rubbed off on other people. And when I met him, I felt that this infectious spirit must be rubbing off on the rest of the prison as well. So I knew that within two seconds that we were onto a good thing with Felix. And yeah, it was like, how have I not met this guy before? <laughs> was my first feeling. I also felt it was really important to meet Felix in person. I've mentioned his kind of boundless energy and enthusiasm. And I thought it would be doing him a disservice to try and not get that across in the best possible way that we could. We wouldn't be telling the story of prison food if it wasn't for talking to someone like Felix. And that energy and that enthusiasm gave me so much energy and enthusiasm that you can only imagine what it's giving people on the inside. When you look at our day-to-day -day job, you get up in the morning as a catering manager, you think of your menu, you think of your recipe, you think of your cost, you're thinking of all the things, repairs, you're looking at the prisoners, you're looking at your own staff. You have a wide spectrum of it. But I have developed a tradition or a system whereby I get involved in the cooking. So in the morning, when I go to work, I start the kitchen, warm the kitchen up before the staffs and the prisoners arrive. And by the time they arrive, I hand over the kitchen to them. So by that, or by doing that, I will be able to know what is in the fridge, what is in the freezer, what is left over from previous day, how we're going to turn it around. So I'm more or less part of the cooking, yeah? But in other establishment or other of my colleagues, when they come, you go to the office, you check your email, you sit down, you answer telephone calls, you answer queries, 
they walk around the kitchen see what is being cooking and in some cases some cases you see some of the caterers the staff they will just delegate the prisoners go and put jacket potato on how many 300 go and put that on we tend to delegate the more you delegate the more disaster you get if you delegate you have to supervise it you have to go back and check it one you get quality one you get your numbers right one you get your budget on track but where you lay back you know as a catering manager you got your band four you got your band three you got the prisoners there they don't need me on the floor i will sit in the office have coffee answer calls write emails you don't know what's happening yeah it's not a matter of going around take a spoon taste it mm, it's all right mm, it's not all right oh walk it up a bit you got to be part of it and that's my secret every time i would see felix in brixton it would always be this he'd have this kind of day planned for me or this half day you know we would sit in the office and go through his menus to begin with Sometimes he'd talk to me about how he's budgeted for certain dishes, sharing with me what ingredients goes in and, and, and why and how much that costs. You know, this kind of information was not information that other kitchens had ever shared with me and actually was really eye-opening and has been really important in actually how we operate as a charity. I think Felix saw in me someone who desperately wanted to, to learn and to change things and as a result, he, he, you know, he gave me as much as he could, put it that way. Um, and he knew that by giving me that information, it was only going to benefit the system as a whole and prison food as a whole, um, which is why he did it. I've, I've just been in Brixton roughly since the year 2000. So 20, 20 years, 20 basically. years, this December gone. And I've seen the huge changes, both in the establishment mm -hmm. and the government changes in terms of finances and how it has affected the food. When I started, it was £1.65p <gasps> and it has creep on. Look Gosh. at 20 years on, after these days, it's £2.2p. Do you think it should be more than that? Well, it should be more than that, but what really happened is the, the prison service or the MOG, they tell you, listen, our underlying budget mm -hmm. is £2.2p. We're you know, asking you to use the £2.2p. It is the responsibility of the governor yeah. to top it up. They the have governors the have their own. Yes, they have it. So it's up to you, the, uh, the caterer or the caterer manager. You go to your governor and say, Governor, I need money. So year on, year on, I do lobby these governors. I said, Governor, how much are you topping me up? Mm. I quite remember um, when we have. Um, a year and a half ago, we have the bank for the governor. He said to me, Felix, you always cry for money. And I'm not going to give you any money. I said, 10, the two pound two P, I have to cater for the prisons, religious, um, during Ramadan, mm -hmm. we have to do Christmas, we have to do Easter, we have to look at the kosher, we have to look at special diet. So there are a wide range of things that goes into the two pound two P. So he said, right, okay. How much do you need? I said, how much are you giving me? <laughs> so at the moment, um, Lucy, if you ask me, or if you ask any catering manager in England and Wales, that how much is your budget? Mm. It differs. It does. It's very rare to see an environment where 
um, having control and power and freedom is encouraged in prison, you know, and, and that's within the walls of the kitchen. Um, it was very much encouraged. And a word I use when I'm describing Felix a lot is respect. Um, he has the highest respect for the food he's serving and the people working in his kitchen and and his job as well. And the first thing he ever said to me when I walked into his kitchen, he turned around to me and said, anyone can end up in prison. I have doctors in here. I have accountants. I have fathers. You know, reeling off all these all these people that made up the workforce in his kitchen. And it was his way of saying, don't judge a book by its cover. These people might be in prison, but right now they're in my kitchen. They're working in my kitchen. They are my army. Um, they are my people. And we're going to work together to create the best possible food that we can. And I think that sums up the culture of food in Brixton Prison. And that, that culture has been created by Felix completely. 90% of kitchens, they don't give their prisoners breakfast. But I do as a moral Boston, so they don't steal. And everything that you ask them, they do. And they use their discretion to do things to help you. So it doesn't cost anything much. Give them sausage, baked beans, or scrambled egg with baked beans, or give them beans on toast. Or then they say, there's a tea corner. Go and have a tea, go and have your coffee. He would think of stealing something. He would think of sabotaging you. But I don't have that. So it's a moral boost. I mean, your kitchen runs like clockwork and it has this kind of like this magic to it that I think for me is like just a result of all the little small things and, and the trust that you put in the, the prisoners. And you don't see them as prisoners because you always said to me, well, firstly, the first thing you said to me was anyone can end up in prison. So you treat everyone the same and you treat them like employees. I, exactly. I do tell them that once you leave your cell and you come to the kitchen, remember you've come to work. You're not in prison. When you leave the kitchen and you go, then you should know where you belong to. So we treat them like employees. Yes, because remember, they have tools, they have knives. We employ the prisoners. You never know which gang they belong to. You never know where they come from. You never know who his enemies are. So when you come, we give you an induction, and then we look at your background. You, you tend to meet other prisoners and we got sections. Where we put you in your section, you stay there and you work. And the most importantly, respect. If you give the prisoners respect, let them feel like they are part of you. Listen to them. Listen to some of their suggestions. You know, that sort of relationship with them makes the trick. So why is Felix's food so special? How does the menu look? Well, for the most part, it doesn't look that dissimilar to other prison menus across the country. But when you look a little bit closer and when you spend some time in the kitchen or eat the food if you're in the prison there, there's just a few different things and some changes that he's made that mean it's just a little bit more elevated. For example, Felix is one of the only catering managers I know that serves two hot meals a day. Um, usually it's a regular breakfast pack, a cold lunch or dinner, um, and then a hot lunch or dinner. 
Felix makes a real effort in serving a hot lunch and a hot dinner. The reason that he does that, and it's particularly effective in the winter, for example, Felix often speaks about the fact that, you know, lunch is a really important part of the day. And in the depths of winter, do you really want a cold baguette and a packet of crisps? Or do you want Felix's hot jollof rice with braised cabbage on the side? like your your KFC fried chicken is really popular, but I know that you only put it on the menu once a month or something, Felix. Yes, we, 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 it, it's been a very popular thing and they still act it. Yes, we, we do it once a month or some occasion or some festivities. Yeah. And especially we do it in forms of um, salad, mm-hmm. yeah, cold um, fried chicken salad, or sometimes Fridays, as we put fish and chips, we put fried chicken wings, with chips as well. I think what you taught me is that, you know, it's very easy to go into institutions, you know, not just prisons, but schools as well, and be like healthy eating, nutrition, you know, wagging your finger, whereas actually it's like, you know, we still want a treat every now and then, and and I think that's even more important sometimes. You know, yes, you need a balanced diet, but, you know, that comfort of just, like, having a delicious bit of fried chicken um, is important for your emotional well-being, I think. Yes, it is, yes. It's just a game-changer because... These boys have been brought up on the street or wherever they may be in their own life, and somebody have never had fried chicken in years. Somebody have never had. Sometimes somebody say, "Ah, that's my first ever toast I've ever had since I've been in prison for three years." You know, so we're trying to rebuild their conscience that even though you are in captivity, but you're not out of the world. So there are setting light on the end of the tunnel. So our duty is to make them very happy. The naysayers might say that that is rewarding prisoners, it's treating them. It's not at all. It's just about elevating the mood and making the days go quicker and making a memory that is positive and might just make things a little bit easier on those people. Real long-term impactful change in the prison system and particularly around prison food isn't made by the people at the top at number 10 at the Ministry of Justice. Even though they have a lot of power to make change on a big scale, from my experiences, the real changes that are being made and having an impact are by individuals. And Felix taught me this lesson. He taught me that if you've got someone in charge who deeply, deeply cares and has a vision and an ethos around food and cooking, they can create something that you wouldn't see at any other prison. You know, it's truly unique. What do you think needs to change more generally in prison food? Well, it's the attitude. Attitude of catering staff. That's the most important. The ingredients still the same. The people who consume the food are still the same. And the method, the approach of handling this ingredient must change. And do you think that attitude is in place because they're feeding prisoners and these people who've committed crimes? You know, do you, because it's, I don't think it's the same in schools, is it? You know, do, you, do you think there's an element of that? It is the morale. The whole thing turns to morale. Most staff have their own personal problems. And pressure from outside 
from inside is also part of it. So, like I said to you, it's the attitude. When the attitude change, they recognize that we are feeding human beings. We have less money. We want to make the best out of it. I remember being in uh, a prison not near Brixton Prison, it was on the other side of the country, and actually the catering manager in his kitchen had Felix's menus, blue tacks up onto the walls, um, which was which was great. You know, I think it's it's people looking to him as an example, you know, how can I make it more like Felix's? Tony told us a great story, and um, <laughs> it was, I forgot about this, but he said that you did a pizza day and you sourced a load of pizza boxes, Felix. Is that right? Oh, yes. I do. <laughs> yes. So what we do, we still do it. I think last weekend we did pizza for almost 800 residents we've got. So we have the pizza boxes. We put them in and they were thinking it's from outside. You see, I bet everyone mental on the wing. Yes. <laughs> and we just throw in a fried chicken wing in one of them. So we've got the vegetarian pizza, we've got the, um, the chicken pizza, and then we've got the ham and pineapple pizza. Homemade so three dough. choice, homemade dough. Yeah. Everything from the scratch. Everything yeah. Wow, amazing. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want he to He has a, a way of um, empathising with people in prison, and that's not because he has struggled with the same issues that they've struggled with or, or lived that kind of life. It's just because he deeply cares about people and he shows that love and respect yes i can food. tell you the mod run a, um, a seminar where we have one of the speakers was telling us that there are food that reduces reoffending i couldn't believe it so we were all asking how could the food you know affect someone's mentality and it is true so at the end of the, uh, his lectures we realize that there are certain foods that makes one a hyper. The person is in prison. He's in captivity. All his world has caved in, and he becomes very hyper. He becomes very irritated. Every slightest thing, he fights, he revenge. But if you're in your cell, sit down humbly, like in Nelson Mandela, and then the food comes to you, you open, and you get that wow factor, good flavor, good food, it calms you down. You think that, after all, my world haven't ended. I've got this meal. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you need a radio show? Do you need some sort of show? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. You're so awesome. Um, that's Thank everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. Felix, you're a pro. Yeah, you Thank are. You. You're fab. I'm so glad. Felix and I have struck up a friendship outside of prison, actually. And um, he is one of the kindest, most caring um, and talented men that I've ever met. And he is just doing this this job behind the prison walls. No one really knows about it. And if anything, when I first met him, I, I came out of Brixton and I thought, I just want everyone to know about Felix. Because what he's been doing over the last 20 years isn't short of incredible. It's changing people's lives it's helped turn around the reputation of a prison and it's giving people the skills and the level of well-being they need when they leave prison to live a good quality of life and that's what it's about he treats everyone as equal he never judges a book by its cover and 
I don't doubt that if the prison system had more people like Felix, it would be a very different landscape. What's your typical working day? Um, it's something that I enjoy doing it and I, at the end of the day, my customer's satisfaction is my main happiness. And it's been something addictive. And also the care which you have for your staff, not the prisoners, but your staff, how best you can support them so that they will be able to achieve what you want them to do. So that has addicted me in every morning. I so feel like support them. Like seven days a week. I do, but now, <laughs> but, but now, like I said to you, I'm just getting old, so I'm just taking it easy. <laughs> yes. You've been listening to episode six with the one and only Felix Tetter. This is season one of Food Behind Bars, brought to you by Second Window. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more like it, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This show was presented by me, Lucy Vincent, and produced by Second Window. The edit was put together by Taylor Fawcett. Coming up next week, episode seven, The Science.